Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. What we do on this program is we tell stories, and sometimes the topics are difficult. We talk about suffering, we talk about trauma, because we believe that Jesus enters into these dark areas of our lives and really glorifies himself. And so I hope you'll be encouraged today. My guest is Erin Henty, who is a life coach, but she is so much more than that. And uh, Erin, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Now, when I say you're so much more than that, you're kind of listing all these things you do um, when you walked in. Uh, Tell me a little bit about some of the things you're involved with. Yeah, thanks. I think we got connected because formerly I served on the board for Brighter Days Family Grief Center in the Twin Cities. They help families both anticipating and grieving the loss of a family member. And I got connected with them shortly after the loss of my own husband. And then with that, I wanted to support other women who were also widowed and that were navigating kind of all the things and wanted to feel that sense of community and support. And so um, in 2019, I joined Widow Might as a leader for our Young Widow Connect groups. And we get together and do different activities and gain inspiration from one another uh, throughout the year. So that's been really lovely to be a part of that. Uh, my background is financial services. And so after 10 years and becoming a certified financial planner, I always say, like, I'm it, preparing people for the unexpected. I'm now like helping people navigate the unexpected. So it doesn't fall too far from what my original passion was and purpose was in my life. Yeah, you're still helping people a lot. Yeah. Um, and you've been through your own set of uh, difficulties that have kind of has God weaves your life together, has set you up to help people in these areas. Tell me your story. Tell me um, some of these things that have led you to this point. Yeah, so in July 2015, I my husband Andy died suddenly in a work accident, and our kids were 5, 8, and 15 at mm-hmm. the time. So just really trying to figure out you know, how to support them and how to get support for myself and navigate all those next steps. It was a lot in the beginning. Um, and just as I started to get my footing and I decided to leave my corporate career so I could be home with the kids more and have the opportunity to be able to just explore what was next for me, um, in 2020, after a beautiful weekend, Memorial Weekend at my sister's cabin, on the way home from the cabin that weekend, my sister's family was in an accident. And my sister, my 16-year-old niece, died suddenly. And my 12-year-old niece was life-flighted to HCMC in Minneapolis. And so and then my other niece and my um, brother-in-law were taken off to local hospital. So there was a lot happening around that time. And just even now, at that point, being on the outside looking in and helping him navigate through all those decisions – became my way to be able to support them in those early days and everything that we were going through and experiencing. And um, not to add another thing to the (laughs) timeline, um, but last year my dad was wanting to move out of my childhood home, and so I'd planned to come down and visit him and help him through all those decisions. And so um, a few days before we were planning to come down, he had fallen and ended up hospitalized, and his health just declined very rapidly. Um, and he was moved into hospice within a couple months and, and passed away. And so to say that 
you know, my family understands grief and loss. I can say we most definitely do. Um, but it's our faith and our, I feel like, resilience and courage that keep us going through all of it. Do you find that because you've been through these various experiences that um, people that can relate to those experiences kind of end up finding you? For sure. And even if they don't specifically find us, it's always like a friend of a friend of a friend. Right. Like, oh, hey, I yeah. know someone who made a, might understand what you're going through. And even though, like, I love being supportive to those who have experienced grief, grief I also I feel like sometimes selfishly need the support myself too. Mm -hmm. So it's like this exchange of I get to help support others. In turn, I also feel supported through all the things that I'm going through. Yeah, because the things you described are not very long ago. No. And uh, and so there's still, you know, you're still dealing with all of that while you're trying to help other people. Um, we um, talked to a guest on this program, a lady who was talking about caregivers and this idea of compassion fatigue where you know we're so apt to want to give 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 and we forget to take care of ourselves mm. and that's a real danger isn't it when you're yeah. involved with helping people well the interesting part about my journey is uh i think god knows me better than i know myself and he will force me to stop and take time and space for myself and listen and so even after the loss of my sister and my niece, I was going, going, going for the first – I knew I needed to stop and I knew I needed to take care of me, but I wasn't going to do it because there was those immediate fires that needed to be turned out. And because I was coming in and out of the hospital, within a couple of weeks, I ended up contracting COVID, which took me out for two solid weeks. And I can honestly say like – I, I needed that. I needed that time for two weeks. I had to be in my room. I couldn't even take care of my kids during that time because it was early on when we didn't know um, how others would be impacted by it. And so during that time, my, my daughter was 13 then, and she would just slip notes under the door and like, what do you want for dinner? And I remember posting on Facebook, like my kids need food other than ramen noodles and whatever else that they're making. And so people really stepped up and helped. And I, it was that realization like, oh, I'm not alone in this. And I don't have to constantly be going, going, going for everyone else because burnout happens. And I was just thankfully that it happened within a couple weeks after everything because it was that really abrupt reminder that, oh, yeah, I need to take this time for me to be present, to be still, to listen, and get a new perspective and be able to look at everything in a different way. Yeah, that's really important. So um, you talked about um, the fact that you minister to widows. And um, what specifically are they dealing with? I mean, it, you know, in our culture, it's kind of strange, like, we always hear this, well, you know, we expect the man to, to die first. Mm -hmm. And so we see these ladies at church, and, you know, they've lost their husbands, and we go like, oh, you know, okay, I'm sad for them. But um, how, but that's not what they're experiencing, is it? I mean, it must be a very, very difficult journey for them. Well, I mean, we all know that we're going to die, right? Yep. Yep. We know that when we are born, we're also there's going to be a day where we're gone, but the idea of knowing something and actually experiencing something is completely different. 
right? And so I think that even statistically, actually women live longer than men. So while we don't want the man to die first, the chances are pretty likely that it's going to happen. Yet still, we're not prepared. Sure. We can never prepare emotionally for that experience and what it's like. And so I remember in the early days, I was 35, going to my first widow event, and there were the majority of people were 55 plus or 60 plus. And I was sitting across the table for, from some of them, and they're like, you're so young, you know, like to have your husband pass away. And I just remember like thinking, what is too young for us to lose a loved one? But even in that, knowing that I could be the only one out there at age 35 who has lost their person, I felt alone. I felt really lonely and isolated even in that group of women who had also gone through something very similar because they went through it at a different point in time in their life. But I remember meeting a woman there who had also lost her husband in her 30s, and it was now 20, 25 years later, and she was still coming out on the other side of it. And I remember it gave me hope, just surrounding myself with other people, regardless of their experiences or differences or the age gap between us. It just felt really good to know that, hey, even though it's been 20, 25 years, she's still there supporting others and others are supporting her. And, you know, I hope to be that person for others someday. But in that moment, I really needed that that person to say, hey, I was right where you were. And now I'm on this side of it. And I could start to see a kind of a path again yeah. to move forward. Well, grieving is so different for everyone. Yeah. I remember um, when I lost my wife and I was raising small kids and it was unusual for a single dad to be running around with kids. So I, like I would go to these school events or um, parent meetings, you know, and these ladies would look at me like, you're not supposed to be here. And that was really isolating. And I think grief in itself isolates you. But then when you're in a particular circumstance that's maybe not normal, mm-hmm. you even feel more isolated. Yes. And so I'm sure all these ladies are dealing with all these different dynamics in their lives. Yeah, and many women I've met over the last few years were losing their loved ones during COVID. Yeah. Where they couldn't be around other people or they were choosing not to because they were afraid of what could happen if they got exposed. And so, you know, that even amplified the isolation and the loneliness yeah. through their grief. I'm sure I'm sure it did. And then and then they have to hear people saying that COVID's not real and and all that kind of stuff. And they're going right. like, Well, we kind of experienced something different. Yes. And that that's not helpful either. Mm-hmm. Um tell me a little bit about um as your grappling with your own grief and you're, and you're helping others at the same time, how do you find a balance between giving but yet also taking care of yourself? Yeah, so right after my sister, and I use this example because I feel like the first time through after the loss of my husband, I learned a lot of things that I applied to my life and realized, what were my priorities and what did I value most and how can I use that to create that solid foundation for myself? And so when I experienced the second loss and third loss very abruptly, what I knew I needed was to keep showing up 
in the way that I could for others. Because when I did and when I help people, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like the words that I share with them are often a, a direct reflection of my own personal experiences and things that have helped me. Yeah. So I would even go back, um, even with my clients that I worked with shortly after, they're like, take all the time you need. And I said, but I want to be here yep. to, to coach you and to support you. And I remember saying to one of my clients, I get just as much out of our conversations as I'm sure you do. And it was during that time that I remember listening back to myself. And it was this like reflection, this reminder that, oh, I already know what I need. I already know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I trust in that. And I really had to listen to it as well. Because like I said, during the time when I had COVID, I could have just spent the whole time watching movies and, you know, doing all the things. But I really took that opportunity to reflect and journal and pray and do the things that I know were healing for me during that that process and just cry. Like yeah. being in my room isolated yeah. and alone and missing my sister and my niece. And yeah. it also reminded me that now the, you know, the second person that I trusted most in my life aside from my husband was my sister. And I just really, I really had a hard time processing through all of that because she was my sounding board and she was my encourager and she was my strongest advocate. And so reminding myself of what I needed during that time was so critically important and listening to it and not ignoring it. And I realized pretty quickly, like, I can't or else God's going to force me to stop and listen again. <laughs> he has a way of doing that. He does. For sure. I, I know that when I um um when we lost our son and it was a very it was a very sudden um uh, a very sudden loss and um people were always kind of afraid, you know, they they're afraid to mention it or talk about it. And I always felt like number one I like talking about him because um you know there's always that thing you know, I, we don't want to that person to be forgotten. But then I, as I've helped other people and they, again, they find you, right? So um, I find it very healing for me to hear, I guess it's my own words I'm saying, or maybe it's just the, the, the therapy of talking about it. But when we do discuss it with someone, I find a healing that comes over me. And so I guess the point is um, if you're listening right now and you know, someone is, you know, going through a loss or has lost someone, don't be afraid to, to say, um, tell me about that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't, and, and have you found that to be true in your life as well? Yeah, for me, 100%. Um, my oldest daughter struggled with that. She did not want to feel the loss. And that's what she felt every time she would talk about it. But my younger two really thrived from sharing me sharing stories and reminded them how they reminded me of their dad. And so I really appreciated just being able to share openly. And now my oldest daughter, it's taken eight years, but almost eight years, but she's now to a point where we can talk and laugh about silly things that her dad did. And there Mm -hmm. is a, it is a process and it is so healing, not talking about it is like that elephant in the room, right? It's yeah. it's there. Yep. And you know it's there and we all can see it there. Yep. But nobody's willing to like address it. And 
One thing I really appreciate is I met a really great group of friends after my husband passed with my kids being in sports and stuff, and none of them knew my husband. And so for me, anytime something would come up or they'd be hanging out with their husbands or whatever, I would always share, I would talk about him as though he was very much present in our conversation. And one of my friends one time had posted on one of my Facebook posts and said, I feel like I know him so well and wish I would have gotten an opportunity to meet him. And I think that's just a testament that I continue to share stories of him. I thrive from being able to talk about him. And he's still a part of our daily conversations almost eight years later. And so are my sister and my niece and talking about my dad and it all comes from a very good place. I did have a friend one time who asked me a little bit of a different question. She was, because I think when we tell our stories, we tend to almost sometimes put our loved ones up on a pedestal. Like remember all the good things about them. We get to choose the story we, we tell. Right. But I had a friend one time who even asked me like, what drives you crazy about what drove you crazy about him? And then it reminded me when you'd work in his shop for hours and he'd have grease all over his clothes and he would come inside and try to sit on our beige couch and I would like shoo him out to the, (laughs) to the bathroom and things like that. And that made me laugh. I was like, Oh, even though those, you know, are things that drove me crazy about him, I can't forget those things either. Cause that was very much a part of, um, our story and, yeah, light, that's, light me up inside. It's it's very much a part of who these people are, and 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 they are still um, always a part of us. I remember we went to uh, a thing called a homicide support group, which of course you don't wake up in the morning one day and say, "Hey, I think we should go to a homicide support group." You don't think it's ever going to happen to you? And there were people there um, that were twenty five years into this thing, where they'd lost a child or whatever to homicide. And they were still uh, crying and grappling. And many would look at that and say, well, they're just stuck. How many times have we heard that? Well, that person's just stuck. And, and I would say, no, they're, they're still they're grieving. They're grappling. They're still they're not stuck, but they're hurting in a way. And I'm sure it comes out more when they're with people that they feel free to yeah. talk about. But... When we measure someone else's grief and we try to imagine that's how we would deal with something, um, that can be really destructive, can it? Yeah, for sure. There are no comparisons when it comes to each of our stories are so unique and different. We all lost our loved ones differently. We all knew them for a different period of time, had different types of relationships, good, bad, ugly, whatever that might have been. And so I think there are so many different layers and... Each season of our life requires – it almost like unlocks a different piece of grief, I feel like. Yeah. Because with my own personal experience, my children, as they've got, gone through being kids to being teenagers, and now I have one who's an adult, I've seen how grief has impacted her along the way. And for me too, as my daughter graduated – as my kids get married one day, as they have kids, like it's it's another layer yeah. that is unexpected. Yep. We think we shouldn't be feeling this way anymore, but that's the thing about grief is it can come very unexpectedly and by surprise. Um, and 
there is no end to grief. It just ebbs and always say it ebbs and flows like the waves of the ocean and changes over time. Yeah, and I think that it. Um, I don't want to give the impression that there isn't healing that happens because there is, um, but that person can never be replaced. And though God is a master at healing hearts and directing us to places where we can give back to others who are hurting, that person is still not a part. I, I experienced that. My my daughter got married not long ago, and you know I just looked at the at the bridal party and I thought, yeah, my son's missing. And there, yeah. bam, it hits you, yeah. I, and it's like you're reliving it all over again. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I think that if you are grieving, number one, give yourself permission to grieve, yeah. and don't try to don't try to fit into somebody else's box of of that. And number two, if you have a friend who's grieving or a loved one who's grieving, let them grieve, yeah. and, and just be with them. Yeah. And I'm guessing that the ladies that you're working with just like being together, and they don't need advice. They already kind of know what to do, right? They just want to be together, right? They just it's just talking about our life and our experiences and challenges we may be facing. And it's just really comforting to know that we're not, even if there's nothing we can do to help fix what we're going through, we're we, just knowing that um, we're not the only ones going through it. Um, feels so much less isolating. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it, it can be so isolating. And if you're an introvert already, and you're going to venture out. And think, here's the thing I don't think people understand. When, when you're experiencing a traumatic event, and um, some of the things you've described are really sudden traumatic events, there's a vulnerability that is almost staggering that I found. Like you're afraid to go out and even show yourself in public because you're afraid of what people might say, what they might be thinking. I, had, I imagined we were living in this town and um, – this was uh, in all the papers, all the TV stations. And I, I felt like everyone was just staring at me, even though I know they weren't. Um, but there's a vulnerability to, 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 to trauma. Yeah. And um, to overcome that, to even to venture out is a huge victory for mm-hmm. people. And I think we need to encourage them in that. Yeah. And that's what my... I know we're going to talk a little bit more, but that's what my Young Widow Connect group does. And I know sometimes they're they're ready for it, and sometimes they'll say yes, and then they'll stay home. And, like, no judgment. You know, just be whatever you need to – wherever you need to be right now. And we're still here to support you. We're still here when you're ready. And um, it may be today, tomorrow, next year. doesn't matter. Um the support is such a huge thing in that process. And I think that um, being somebody who is more introverted, you may not – most people don't recognize that I'm more introverted, but being somebody who was that way, I knew what I needed um, in order to get myself out there. But getting myself back out there and enjoying life again also – meant creating some new friendships with people who didn't know him and weren't connected with him and that I could, you know, feel supported by without constantly having to talk about the loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something we can definitely talk about next time because uh, I have a whole other line of questioning to go down there. But 
Um, Widows Connect Group and some of the other things that you're involved with, what kind of resources um, are available to those who are walking this road? Yeah, I would say first go to Brighter Days Grief Center. Family Grief Center is here in Minnesota. They're based out of Eden Prairie, but they support the entire state and have national resources available. So if you go to their website at www.brighterdaysfamilygriefcenter.org, that's a great place because then depending on um, your background and the type of loss and all of those things, they can get you connected to the resources you need when you need them most. And many people struggle with financial resources, and there's also resources that they have connections to that they can support with. Give me that website address one more time. It's www.brighterdaysgriefcenter.org. Okay. Awesome. Erin, thank you so much for sharing your life with us. It's been enjoyable to get to know you. Yeah, same. Thank you. Um, You know, as we talk, it's easy to, um, to think that nobody understands or that you're all alone in grieving, but... Um, God knows you intimately. God is always there. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So even if you're feeling like, wow, nobody understands how I am feeling. Nobody really gets this. There is someone who actually does, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the one who is always faithful. And just remember that you're never really alone, even though I know sometimes it hurts, sometimes it feels like you are. I'm glad that you tracked us down here on Life Support. I want to thank our partners. Faith Radio makes this possible. We're so appreciative at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And check us out here at Ridgewood Church at myrwc.org. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, Subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.